Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Climbing the Ivy on the Fan Side of Network. This is your host, Alex Pat, alongside Adam McGinnis. We got a lot of good things to talk about this week. The Cubs are playing much better baseball. They just swept the Miami Marlins. They took two out of three at Wrigley Field against the Pirates, and they split against the Angels in a snow-shortened series. Very odd weather here in the city of Chicago. Lots to talk about on this show, so stick with us. We'll have some good content for you. Adam, how you doing? Doing well. How about yourself? Oh, I'm doing just fine. Fantastic. So there's a, there's a lot going on right now, and it's kind of mm-hmm. hard to know where to start, but I thought we'd get started on kind of a fun note, not related directly to the team itself, but a former player that a lot of people know very well and love. And I think we've talked about him on this show before, but that's Carlos Sembrano. And Carlos Sembrano is going to be playing baseball again in Chicago, technically Rosemont, but in the Chicagoland area, as he's joining the independent Chicago Dogs, a very new minor league team here in the Chicago suburbs. Their inaugural season was last year, but in their second season, they're getting Carlos Sembrano. He's, I believe he's 37? 37, yeah. Yeah, yeah, 37. He's going to be 38 soon. And he's been going through a lot of changes in his life. Uh, He's been in Venezuela preaching as a pastor. And, you know, he says that the Almighty's telling him to go play baseball again. So he's following through. So he's back in Chicago. He's playing baseball. This is pretty exciting for a lot of people in the area. Yeah, my when I saw this news, my first thought was, who are the Chicago Dogs? That's a team I had never heard of. You, you mentioned they're pretty new. Yes, their inaugural season was last year, and uh, they're right in Rosemont. And if you're in Chicago, you probably know where Rosemont is. It's mini Chicago, essentially. Okay. It, Rosemont. So- been built up like crazy the past decade what's their what's their logo are they like the animal or are they hot dogs hot dogs i'm assuming hot hot dogs because when i saw carlos zambrano joins chicago dogs i wondered if he was gonna be like schlepping hot dogs at a stand at cubs games or something like that but yeah i i don't know i i'm gonna be rooting for the guy because i loved watching big z when i was younger um and I hope he does well, but I got to tell you, I don't see it happening. The big league return anyway. Well, even if he doesn't return to the big leagues, it would just be cool to see him pitch again. I mean, the thing with him is he's going to be 38. If he was in his lower 30s, I'd probably say there's a better chance of him moving his way on up. But just considering his age, it's it's hard to see that again. But, you know, I just hope he mashes no matter where and it's going to be huge for the Chicago dogs to have Carlos Sembrano. Um, I don't know if you remember, yeah, but that's going to that, draw a lot of, a, a lot of fans. That's going to sell some tickets for sure. Definitely. Definitely. I don't know if you remember, but last year I was an intern for the Chicago bandits, the professional softball team. Mm-hmm. Their stadium is right next to the dogs. They, the dogs came in and built their stadium right next to the Chicago bandits. Uh, that, you know, that's a whole other thing I could get into, but you know, a lot of things are coming to Rosemont. Because, like I said, it's mini Chicago. They're really building it up. So when I did my internship, it was during the same season as the Chicago Dogs. And that stadium they have is beautiful. It is, obviously, you could picture, like, a single-A stadium, maybe a double-A stadium capacity. But it is 
beautiful. It's right off the highway. I don't know how many seats there are exactly, but it's got this lining Kugel's deck where there's like a bunch of suites and party areas. Oh, it's, it's a, a great a ball, stadium. Yeah, a ballpark doesn't have to be massive to to be beautiful. Absolutely. No. Some, and of, my, honestly, some, of, some awesome ballparks are, are pretty small. Especially minor league ballparks. There's something special mm-hmm. about it. I recommend going online and looking at a picture of it because it really is cool. But here's the thing. When I interned there, I would pass with the bandits. I would pass by that stadium because it was right next to it all the time. I would park next to it. I would look inside. And there were a lot of games where there was practically nobody there. I thought it was going to be marketed better than it was. I thought considering it was Rosemont, you know, the Chicago Bandits already there. The Chicago Wolves have been there. They're one of the most uh, iconic AHL hockey teams out there. But a lot of crowds were pretty small. That's going to change with Zambrano pitching. Oh, yeah, I would think so. My question is, what has Zambrano done? I'm assuming that he's been working on his pitching for a while now if he's planning a big league return. But his last decent MLB season was 2010. I mean, we're that's almost 10 years ago. So, I mean, what what has he done since he retired in 2012 that that is is better? You know what I mean? Because he he his last two seasons, 2011, 2012, he wasn't good at all. And I so, do know he's and played so in his the Venezuelan stuff, league. His stuff is going to have to be substantially better than that if he's going to actually make a comeback. Yeah, I, it, this season's going to tell what he really has. And, you know, keep in mind, he's playing against independent ball players, so it's not like he's coming back to the majors. Yeah, it's it's a totally different thing. I wonder how hard he's throwing. That's, that's what I was going to ask, too, is if anybody has seen his velo. Yeah, you know, he did several I can't imagine. I can't yeah. imagine it's it's very good right now. I have no idea. He did several interviews today with 670 The Score at ESPN 1000, kind of talking about his journey back. I know he's been pitching in Venezuela. I know he's been working hard uh, as a pastor as well. He, you know, he's, he's really, really into that. Uh, but it looks like he's in great physical shape still. How he's going to pitch is going to be remain to be seen. It'll definitely be interesting to watch. Hey, I mean, if Tim Lincecum could kind of do it, then I suppose Big Z could too. I mean, Lincecum obviously was younger than Zambrano is now when he made his comeback. But but at the end of Tim Lincecum, uh, if I could speak, at the end of Lincecum's career, his first stint, I mean, he he looked like he just didn't belong at all. So, I mean, if, if he can do it, then I don't see why somebody else couldn't. But I... I got to say, it, it pains me to say it. If I had to put money on it, I, I don't think he's going to make it. But I'm going to be rooting for him as hard as anyone else, though. Absolutely. And you brought up Tim Lincecum. And I think the one advantage that Carlos Zambrano would have in this situation is Zambrano didn't really battle the injury issues that Tim Lincecum had. He retired at age 31 because things were just going downhill. And I think mm-hmm. he wasn't in the best state of mind. He was kind of in a rough patch. Because you remember when he left the Cubs, he was only 30. That's kind of hard to believe. Yeah, that felt like Zambrano was around forever. Yeah, that's, that's, I mean, for a pitcher, that's pretty young retirement age. For a prominent starting pitcher, anyway. 
Because I mean, age 30 is, is like, if you're a really good starting pitcher in the major leagues, age 30 is like about the time when you start to see the real money. Yeah. I mean, look at all the pitchers on the Cubs it's right now. John Lester, John Lester got his big deal with the Cubs when he was what? 29, 30 years old. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's a pretty young retirement Darvish, for somebody. He's over 30. Good. Yeah, exactly. All these guys, it's 30 is kind of the the age where if you're a star player, you get that mega deal. And look at Kyle Hendricks. He's right around that age. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's, it, he's 29. It just makes it seem like he was so much older because he broke into the big leagues in 2001 at age 20. So he'd been yeah. pitching for quite some time. Well, yeah, that's, youth. that's the flip side of that is that age 20 – is is a pretty early debut for a pitcher because it's mm-hmm. it seems like the it takes pitchers uh quite a quite a bit longer to break into the league than it does for position players. They they just need more seasoning in the minor leagues before they're actually ready to go against big league pitching and yeah, Zambrano was was 20 years old in 2001. Granted he 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 didn't really pitch much in 2001. No. I I don't even know that he got I don't even know that he broke double-digit innings pitched that year, but... Seven and two-thirds. 20, 20 years old, nonetheless, Major League debut. That's that's pretty impressive. And by 21, he made 16 starts, appeared in 32 games. And then by 22, he was a 32-game starter in 03, and he was really good in 03. And, and he, was, he was pretty much good every year up until 2011. Yeah. He didn't really... He didn't really have any terrible years uh between his debut and when he pretty much fizzled out yeah for sure i mean a really cool function on baseball references you can compile years and look at the total stats so i'm going to do that right now i'm going to take 2002 through 2010 to your point yeah that's over that whole span 344 era eight, nine-year stretch of being good every single year, that's that's a huge accomplishment. There's not a lot of starting pitchers that, that could say the same. No. 344 ERA over that time. 257 starts. Fielding independent pitching at 3.91. The whip was always high because it may be easy to forget, but one of his biggest bugaboos was the walks. Mm-hmm. And that, I think was part of why he didn't last as long as he did. And as you remember, and right. he admitted it, he was a bit of a head case. Mm-hmm. And he's trying to get over that now. And oh, yeah. Man, could he throw a tantrum out there. <laughs> no kidding. And when you start though. walking people, it that got in his head. Yeah. He he got out of the, he got out of a lot of jams, though. He was good at that. He did. Got a lot of ground balls. You know, he had a, a sinking fastball. And the thing about Zambrano is... His strikeout numbers, while not low, were not exactly as high as you would think. If you look at it. He only struck out 200 plus batters twice in his career. Yeah, I guess, I mean, you, you, you think of a hothead, you think of somebody who's, who's throwing as hard as he possibly can, somebody who's punching people out all the time, and that wasn't necessarily Zambrano. Yeah, a lot of sinking action. He got a good number of ground balls and flyouts. Yeah, like I said, a career strikeouts per nine of seven point five isn't incredibly low, but 
You look at no. other pitchers, like Kerry Wood was much more of a strikeout pitcher than Zambrano was. Mark Pryor, when he was healthy, was much more of a strikeout pitcher than Zambrano was. It, it's kind of, you look at his prime, and you see that the strikeouts per nine are, you know, they're not bad at all. They're solid, but they're not as much as maybe one may remember. No, and that's going to be important if he's if he's trying to make a big league comeback, too. He's going to have to keep the ball down. Uh, there's, I'm pretty sure he's not going to try to be a strikeout pitcher. I just don't see how that could be the case. I don't know if he, do you think he can reach 90 still on his fastball? I don't know. I, I think he was talking about his velocity in one of his interviews. I'd have to go back and listen to it because I know he's yeah. been clocked. I can't see him being more than like 92. He never really was yeah. more than a 94. Yeah, so I mean, I remember. so if he's gonna if he's gonna pull this thing off, he's probably gonna have to be a ground ball pitcher. Yeah, and I mean, hey, there are plenty of ground ball pitchers. So and, and if he does he's... make it, I I I can't see him being a starter necessarily either. But how think about how cool would that would it be if he ended up in the Cubs bullpen at some point? <laughs> That would be pretty crazy. Carlos Zambrano <laughs> pitching for the Chicago Cubs major league organization in 2019. Yeah. That would be something. I'm here he for that. Posed on a call. And... I'm here for that because if he because if he performs well enough to actually get some interest from MLB teams, I would be mad at the Cubs if they weren't the front runners if they weren't all over that because if he's actually major league caliber then it's got to be the Cubs. But by by the same token, I don't want the Cubs going after him just for nostalgia's sake either. They're not. Theo Epstein is not the team, no, the, the guy to do that. No, no, no. I, I wouldn't think he would do that either. But but if he can do it, if, if Zambrano proves that he can pitch at that level again, it's got to be the Cubs. Because I would hate to see Zambrano in the major leagues again pitching for like the nationals or the Rockies or somebody stupid like that. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know if how high he's going to get, but the fact of the matter is he's going to be pitching in Chicago. He's going to be pitching 20 minutes away from me and damn right. I'm going to go out and watch him. Yeah. But That's, see here, here see. If, if he does make it though, I don't think it'll be the Cubs. I think it, it's going to end up being a cellar dweller team, a team that, knows a team that's already on track to lose a ton of games a team that knows they they aren't even going to sniff the postseason so they get somebody like Zambrano who's going to be really cheap compared to everybody else somebody who can just eat innings for you that's where I think he'd end up going I don't think he'd end up on a contender unfortunately no probably not but yeah, fun bit of news. Carlos Sembrano returning to Chicago. So let's just kind of move on back to the team itself, the current team. They swept Miami. They did what they were supposed to do. That Miami team is, I don't know what Bad. it is. Putrid. Well, yes, but I literally don't know what it is because I don't know who the heck most of those players are. I mean, terrible. We know, you know that, but we know Lewis Brinson because he was part of the Yelich trade. But Brinson's been terrible. Oh, that that that's might looking, be one of the worst trades ever. That's that's looking real bad. I mean, at the time, we most people thought Brinson was going to be a solid piece. He was great in the minors. Yeah, he was supposed to be. He was supposed to have a lot of potential. 
to be, I mean, like a star caliber player. And now he's can't even sniff the Mendoza line. I can't help but wonder if the Miami Marlins just haven't developed him right. Uh, they can't seem to do much. That could absolutely be the case. Yeah, there's the Marlins don't get much right. And those new uniforms, what do you think about those new uniforms compared to their to last year's? I like the color scheme, the design. I hate it. I hate it. I, I don't like the color scheme. I hate the design. The logo on those jerseys, I... I said it on social media. It looks like they stole it off of some stupid Miami nightclub sign. Seriously. It looks like it was stolen off a nightclub of people who go there and put 10 gallons of of moose in their hair. It's one of those clubs that Sonny Crockett busted a guy in in Miami Vice. That's what it looks like. (laughs) That's what it looks like. It looks like a neon nightclub sign. I still think the original Marlins uniforms were by far the best. Yeah, I liked them. Liked the colors. Liked the. I, I especially liked the vest look that they did. I, I just love the detail on the Marlin. You know, on the logo, yeah. that Marlin, nice and detailed. And Florida was, I don't know, something about Florida just seems better than, than Miami. I agree. Even though it's MM, I still like to say the Florida yeah. Marlins. Yeah. Here's a question for you. Okay. This is kind of a weird question, but I just I want to hear your opinion on it. Oh, we when don't you... ever get weird here. <laughs> Never. <laughs> when you look at Marlins Park and you see all the empty seats, what looks worse? Because people say how bad that looks, and it looks terrible. But to me, it still isn't nearly as bad as when they looked when the stadium was empty when they played at Old Dolphin Stadium. That was just an ugly thing to look at. Would you agree with that? I mean, how couldn't I? Not only is it mostly empty, most of the people there aren't even Marlins fans. I mean, if you if you really look closely, there was a lot of blue in that stadium this series. A lot of blue. 6,000 of the 8,000 people there were Cub fans. Yeah, easily. That's that's a terrible look. But it's I don't even know that it has much to do with the Marlins being awful, because even when they were a World Series team, that's the only time they attracted fans to the stadium is when they were actually playing in the postseason. Otherwise, they've never drawn good crowds ever. I no. I mean, maybe it's just a, maybe it's just a reality that Miami just doesn't care about baseball very much. You also got to remember this: in a lot of those postseason games, the Marlins played in like '03, especially when they played the Cubs. You know, when they had those big crowds. Mm-hmm. They had like crowds of 60,000 in Marlins Park in the NLCS. I guarantee you at least 40,000 of those were Cub fans. If you remember that series, when the Cubs won those two games in Miami, that place went nuts when the Cubs won. The, The Cub blue was everywhere. It was louder when Aramis Ramirez hit the grand slam off Dontrell Willis than when Josh Beckett threw a shutout in game five. Yeah, I mean, I'd I'd have to go back and look at uh, at footage of that again because I was I was eight years old at the time, so I'm sure I wasn't I probably wasn't watching too closely. I was probably playing like Power Rangers or something like that at, in 2003. But yeah, I I I just think that I mean, look at the Rays too. Even the Rays the Rays are surprisingly good. 
They were surprisingly good last year, and they're not bad this year either, but nobody goes to the games. I think Florida just doesn't care about baseball. For the most part, I agree. However, I do feel like the Rays would get better attendance if their stadium was A, better, and B, in a better location. Well, because everything, everything about the Rays is just utterly boring. I mean, there's there's not a single thing that's exciting about the Rays. Terrible, boring uniforms. Probably the worst ballpark in the majors, I would say. That it's might, a tough battle between might, them and Oakland. It's it's definitely in the bottom five. Yeah, it's for definitely sure. Definitely in the bottom five. They don't really have any marquee players right now either. I mean, you could Blake Snell obviously is a fantastic pitcher, but Blake Snell isn't really selling tickets either. I mean, I don't know. I th- I think it's time for the Florida teams to just get out of Florida. I can't imagine they're making very much money. Especially the Marlins. Who? What What jerseys are being sold? Who's buying a Rays jersey or a Marlins jersey? What player is is has a popular jersey that's being sold? Hey, at least Rays fans can hang on to their old Longoria, Carl Crawford jerseys. The Marlins. Yeah, man, props to Longoria for wanting to stick around as long as he did. <laughs> yeah, I, no I don't know how he put up with that. I mean, the Marlins may have their Giancarlo Stanton jersey. I mean, I but, guess you know. they they went to a World Series. They had David Price in his youth. Joe and Madden. It was under Joe Madden, yeah. Yeah, that's probably the most exciting time they've ever had. I mean, they're they're not a, an old franchise at all, but it they they really screwed that up though. I mean, there's everything about the Rays is just horrible. Well, remember the Marlins somehow have two World Series victories. Yeah, whatever. And we're part of that. So right now they're they're a team where I mean honestly, when most of these guys stepped up to the plate, I said, Who the heck is this guy? Yeah, you don't know who any of them are. You know Starling Castro. Right. You know Martin Prado. You know Lewis Brinson. You know Neil Walker. That's about it. Boy, I, I still feel bad for Starlin. I mean, I think that trade was necessary. It was it was the right move to make. But man, he put up with he put up with all the bad years just to be shipped off when things finally got good in Chicago. And now he's he's got a toil with the Marlins. That's rough. I bet he's praying that he's traded. And but he, I don't think he's got a whole lot of value right he's, now. He's been no, I don't think so either. He's been talked about in. In trade talks the last couple of years, hasn't he? I mean, maybe not seriously, but his uh, his name gets brought up. Well, his name gets brought up just because it's the Marlins and he's a recognizable face. So if he's a recognizable face, you got to trade him away. Yeah, but man, that's at this point that I can almost see them. If Christian Yelich was only worth that much, what is Starlin worth? Nothing. Yo. Alex? Yeah. Are you there? Hey. Yeah. What happened? 
I don't know. I lost you. I lost you too. Here we are. We're back. It's okay. okay. It's okay, folks. You can cut We're around back. this. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe not. Some dead air there. Were you were you talking that whole time? I was. <laughs> All right. Sorry about that, folks. Quick glitch. Uh, so what I was saying so, was... Yeah, I, give, give me the TLDR of what you said here. I feel like every Marlins pitcher throws 95-plus. It does seem like that. It also seems like the Cubs lose to the Marlins a lot, but thankfully they swept them here. And and I agreed with you on Twitter. They had to. They absolutely had to sweep mm-hmm. this series. And kudos to them for getting it done. They're they're pretty hot right now. The Cubs have won what, like seven of their last eight or six of their last seven, something like that? Well, let's see. The games they've lost since the home opener was the middle game of the Pirates series. And then that game against the Angels that ended in controversy. Uh, we'll talk about that in a minute. But mm, yeah, yeah, those are the so... only two losses. Yeah. They took two or three from the Pirates. They had that great game against the Angels last Friday. And they swept the Marlins. Yeah, and they should get another series win again here because they've got the Diamondbacks and the D-backs. The D-backs are not a great team either. No, but they have been pretty pesky. They're better than the Marlins, but still, you're at home. You got to beat mm-hmm. these guys. Yeah, you got to beat them. Got to got to be two out of three. Not expecting a sweep versus Arizona at all, but you, you got to take two out of three it's when you consider the position the Cubs are in right now. Well, yeah, I mean, I wrote an article about uh, about this stretch saying, look, you got to take advantage of this, dig yourself out of a hole because the schedule is only going to get tougher. You go well, into yeah, they got the Dodgers after that, after mm-hmm. the D-backs, yeah. Yep, then they play the D-backs again, then you get Seattle, and then you got to go to St. Louis. What's, what's up with Seattle being good? Like, what the hell? And they're hitting a bunch of home runs. Seattle was supposed to be awful. I'm sure they still will be, but they're they're they have one of the best records in baseball right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're hitting a lot of home runs, and some of their pitching has been lights out. Is that gonna I keep? saw them play the White Sox, and they destroyed them. Is that going to hold up or no? Uh, I could see it regressing. It's got to. Yeah. There's no way. That's it's just not who Seattle is right now. I think they could still be competitive, but I think you're going to see some major regression there. I really do. Yeah. But kudos to them. Mm-hmm. It's been a while since they've been in the postseason, but yeah, I see regression there. So you never know what you're going to get with them at Wrigley Field. They or got I... they got Vogie mashing though. That's kind of cool. Oh yeah. God, have you seen some of those taters he's hit? Yeah, dude's mashing. I hope he's an all star this good year. Good for him. Yeah, it's cool to see. And remember, he was in the Mike Montgomery trade, mm-hmm. which was worth it. Mike Montgomery got the final out of the World Series. There was no room for Dan Vogelbach. There's so still no room for back. Dan Vogelbach. There's no, still there's no not. room. Yeah. So. so let's not go back and do that again. Yeah. It seemed pretty obvious if Dan Vogelbach was going to thrive in the American League anyway. It wasn't looking like it at first when he was when he first came into the majors, but... I'm, no. I'm glad he's doing well now. Me too. And uh, sorry, they go to Seattle. They're not at Wrigley Field. They come back to Wrigley Field after that, and they play the Cardinals for three. Then they play those Marlins for four, and you got to figure you got to sweep them because then you play Milwaukee at home after that. 
Then you got the Nationals. Then you got the Phillies. Then you got Houston. So May's got a lot of tough games. You got to win the games you got to win. And I know a lot of people say, oh, it's just the Marlins, yada, yada, yada. Good teams take care of business. And that's what the Cubs did. Got to be who's on your schedule. Yeah, and they didn't they didn't have to like claw their way back to get any of those wins. They beat the Marlins comfortably all three games. Exactly. And the bullpen was great the whole time, the whole series. Yes, it was. Yes, it was. There was not a whole lot of drama except for I think it was the middle game when they had the tying run at the plate and he flew out to deep center, but other than that, smooth going. And you got to see a bunch of guys pitch in the series out of the bullpen. Even though the starters went pretty deep, at least Hamels and Quintana did. But you saw a number of guys pitch. They all looked pretty good. And you got to take that. I know it's an anemic lineup, but you got to take that. Yeah, absolutely. I, that's the most encouraging part of that series by far was the starting pitching. Let's talk about the starting pitching. It has been really good lately, and we're mainly looking at the success of Cole Hamels and Jose Quintana. John Lester's hurt. Kyle Hendricks has not been good yet. I'm confident he will figure it out. He always starts off slow. I think he's got to at least not wait until midseason this time to figure it out, but regardless, I'm not too worried about him. So Cole Hamels, Jose Quintana, you look at those two guys, they've each gone at least seven innings in back-to-back starts. So I asked on Twitter, I did a poll. I said, which pitcher has impressed you the most the past two weeks? And I gave three options of specific guys, Hamels, Quintana, I also added in you Darvish, and then I did another other. The other got like a 1% vote, and nobody really said who they thought. Darvish only got 4%, which I kind of figured his his start in Miami was was fine. Maybe a few too many walks, but the stuff looked good, and he got out of some jams. But 69% voted for Jose Quintana as the most impressive, and I got to agree. So I, I also voted for Jose Quintana, and I think that maybe on paper, Cole Hamill's start looks more impressive because it was what, three hits, eight strikeouts in seven innings of work. Does that sound right? It sounds right. Yeah, yeah and no hits. walks. And Quintana, seven innings as well, six hits, seven Ks. Uh, but I went for Quintana just because it was it was it was looking kind of rough for Quintana, and and this was this is sort of unexpected, I think. These he, because he's put together two really fantastic starts in a row now. Mm-hmm. And and that's huge for the Chicago Cubs because I think we we both agreed early on that we had no idea what to expect from Quintana, no idea, and we always knew that Cole Hamels was capable of putting together a start like that on any right. given night, but Quintana's just been all over the place, super inconsistent. So for him to put together two starts like that in a row is a big deal. So I think it's got to be Quintana because if he can if he can do it again and obviously we'd be fools to expect seven shutout shutout innings from him every time out. That's just not going to happen. But if he can keep putting together quality starts most nights, then that's a that's huge because his biggest problem has been consistency and if he can be consistent, 
then that's that's a really big deal for the Cubs. And these last two starts are not fluky because if you look at the stuff, he is locating with perfection. I don't think we have seen his command be so good in two consecutive starts like this. I think this is the first time as a Cub that he's went back-to-back seven-inning games. He's only walked one in his last two starts. He struck out 18 in his last two starts. Oh, yeah. He's given up zero runs. You are seeing him dot that fastball in the outside corner with perfection. You are seeing him snap that curveball off. Great movement, getting some swings and misses. And you are seeing that changeup. The changeup that they talked about in spring training that he wanted to use more. You are seeing him get swings Mm -hmm. and misses and weak contact from that. He is mixing his stuff. He is locating his stuff. He's changing the eye level against the batters. He looks like the Quintana from the White Sox. And I know it's only two starts, but that's very encouraging to see. Yeah, because you can, as a as a starting pitcher, you can get fluky six, seven shutout inning games. I mean, right. it, especially against a team like the Marlins, who who do not hit the ball very well at all. You can you can miss your spots over and over and over again, and guys will just happen to not do anything with it. But that wasn't the case with Quintana. He was he was putting the ball where Wilson was setting up, which was the most encouraging part of these starts. More encouraging than the zero in the earned run slot was the zero in the walk slot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you didn't see the outside nibbling. You saw the attacking. You saw him get ahead in the count constantly. And what's great is that he's striking out guys with a number of pitches. You remember last year, nibble, 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 grind, grind, grind. It just looks like he's in so much better control, not just with throwing strikes, but just just in general. He looks like he's in much better control. And if you yeah, look at the numbers, yeah, exactly. If you look at the numbers that, you know, so far, again, it's a small sample size. Keep that in mind. So, you know, things are going to level off, adjust and whatnot. So far as K through nine is 12.43. Pretty good. Yeah, that's that's pretty high for Quintana. I I expect that number to come down a little bit, but he's he he's looked real sharp so far these last two starts. And really, he looked really sharp in that relief appearance. He just had that one disastrous start against the Brewers, and even that's, with that that's disastrous about start, it. yeah, yeah, he's got a three twenty fifth despite that start. It's really good. It is. So I really like what I'm seeing there, and I agree with the majority of people in the votes. I think Quintana would have been my vote as well. Hopefully he keeps this going. Very promising so far. And like you said, Cole Hamels is just doing what Cole Hamels does. Mm -hmm. He's been really consistent throughout most of his career, getting the job done. His career at Wrigley Field is unbelievably good. He continues to have success there. And like in yesterday's game against the Marlins, it was just as smooth of a flow as you get. He just went up, pitch, 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 out, out, out. It was like blink of an eye, the inning was over. It was crazy. It was great. Yeah, that's that's is that the best start we've seen from Cole Hamels in a Cubs uniform, you think? One of the best. It's gotta be one of the best. I mean, he he, he had no trouble all night long. You're right. That no trouble at all. And the one time he had to strike out. Castro with the bases load and get a fly out. 
Love you, Chris well, Bryant, but that was kind of on him. He had a yeah, double play ball and he yeah. booted it. That was his only uh, gaff of the night, though. Other than that, Bryant looked pretty good defensively. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. So I can't dog him too much. I'm just saying, if he would have gotten that ground ball and they turned two, I guarantee you he would have gone all nine innings. I think so too, but I, I put Hamels in the in the same category as Lester when healthy. You know, these guys are they're in their mid thirties now, and you know, I I wouldn't I wouldn't have them throwing eight and nine innings unless you absolutely had to. I I'm kind of more in the camp of playing it safe with those two as much as possible. Yeah, I mean, I get that too. It just it looked like his his pitch count was in such great shape. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was really efficient. Exactly. Cole Hamels also, what's nice about him is that you can count on his durability and as well as Quintana. You know, it's he doesn't get hurt very often, knock on wood. I, I say this now and he's going to get hurt. But, you know, you want durability out of your veteran starters. And so far in his career... Cole Hamels has been able to deliver that. So that's what you hope to have here when you have a few other guys, unfortunately, like you Darvish, who has had injury issues. You're lucky to have a very durable guy like Cole Hamels. Yeah. And let's, let's hope he can keep that up. Uh, so now we've gone from Jose Quintana being the biggest wild card to Kyle Hendricks. It's yeah, more, probably you Darvish. It's it's still you Darvish because Kyle Hendricks is if anything he's just staying on this trend of starting really slow and then picking it back up. Darvish on the other hand, who knows. I wanted to talk about Darvish's last start. He got his first win if you care about wins against the Marlins the other day. And like I said, the stuff looked really good. The velocity was going up. He was touching 99 at the end of his outing. He got some great movement on that slider. Mm-hmm. Got a lot of swings and misses. Got out of jams. It's got to build a lot of confidence in him. My only thing is, is that there are still times where I just feel like he goes up there and he doesn't really know where the ball's going. Right. So I was going to say, even though the box score looks better in that Marlins start, I actually thought his Pirates start looked better. If we're talking in terms of command, I definitely agree. Yeah, because he he was kind of all over the place in that Marlins start, especially when he managed to hit three people in one pitch. Now, that was impressive. That was funny. That was funny, yeah. 99 miles an hour that thing was. That's got to hurt. Yeah. And he said too. He said in that after that start that he was just trying to throw as hard as he could, and that's what's going to happen when that's your mindset. I think. At least we can say this: he looks healthy out there. Yeah, that's that's the the best the best part of this so far. I mean, it's I hate to say baby steps for somebody who's getting paid serious money like that, somebody that the organization is depending on. Uh, but the fact that they haven't had to go out and tend to him and worry about an injury is is a good sign so far. And so I guess we, we just need to keep uh, progressing on that. If if we're into July and his and most of his starts are still, you know, five and a third innings and four earned runs, then we can start 
hitting the panic button and saying, you know what, this 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 isn't good enough, even if you're healthy. But for now, the fact that he's healthy and his velocity is good is is all that matters. For sure. And he threw some really nasty sliders that night. You remember when the bases were loaded mm-hmm. in the first inning and he threw some really nasty hooks to that that poor rookie that just looked completely lost up there. The movement on that was sick. Yeah. And you also saw him strike out a guy. I think it was the fourth inning. There was two on uh, both in scoring position. It was either the fourth or the fifth and he struck him out and got out of it. So it's a good thing that, you know, he didn't crumble, didn't fall apart. He was able to work out of that. So I like that. Now, I will say this about Darvish. Outside the first game that he pitched this season. I, I know, it, it, like you said, baby steps. We're paying this guy a bunch of money. But at least we haven't had another one of those super disastrous starts. They haven't always been pretty. But and the, the earned runs may not tell the whole story, but I don't think we've seen a lot of disastrous outings from him like some people were afraid we would see early on. Yeah, it's it hasn't been it hasn't been awful, but it it certainly hasn't been a train wreck either. No, it's things things look much brighter this time around. It it at the very least it looks like he's on the right track. Yeah, I definitely agree. Uh, we'll see what happens with John Lester. I haven't yeah, really that, heard anything about that's, that. Yeah, that's a little worrisome that we haven't gotten any kind of update on that. Well, that's what I'm trying to think. Is it no news is good news, or is the quietness a bit more disturbing? Yes, yeah, I don't know. It, it could go both ways, so it's anyone's guess, I suppose. Yeah, the snow washed out the Tyler Chatwood start that was scheduled to happen in place of John Lester. That was probably for the best. Yeah. I I couldn't believe how much snow we got that day. I I got to admit, I I just, I wasn't all that anxious to see Tyler Chatwood start. No, I kind of want to see Chatwood pitch out of the pen a bit more first. The one thing I would say is at least if it was against that angels team, it would have been against pretty much their C lineup. It wouldn't have had no trout. It wouldn't have had Upton. Yeah, may or may not have had Pujols, but Pujols is kind of a shell of his former self. How long is so, supposed to be out? I don't know. I really don't know. But one thing was for sure, he wasn't playing at all in that series. We yeah. may see him now because they're going to have the makeup game, but not That's in that true. series. So, I don't know. Um, one other thing that I was kind of wondering about was if he misses more than two starts and we don't really hear anything else about what's going to happen to him. What do we think is going on? Because hamstrings are pretty complicated. Yeah, especially when you're 35. Mm hmm. Right. So we'll just have to hope for the best. That's tough, because if if he's going to have to miss, you know, more than a month or a couple months, who's your guy? Is it Chatwood? Uh, Montgomery's hurt. Right. So he's not an option. Yeah. Would you have to reach down to the minors and have some Dwayne Underwood starts? Possibly. I would almost be 
more inclined to do that than to hand it to Chatwood, to be honest with you. I mean, maybe maybe I would give Chatwood a start to see if he can actually do it this time around, but the leash would be real short. Yeah, because you got to remember, he's still technically like a swing guy on the roster. It's just a matter of if they want to go through with that. Mm-hmm. If you just went based off the roster, Chatwood would be the guy to fill in, but do they feel that it's okay to use Chatwood? This isn't like 2016 where... You saw in the middle of the season when the Cubs were ahead by like nearly 20 games, they can just say, screw it. Let's just put Trevor well, Kittle yeah. in there and see what the heck exactly. happens. Who cares? Exactly. There's there's no time to, to screw around and tinker with things. this time. Every game matters now. Mm-hmm. And and yeah, with, with the Brewers being as good as they are and the Cardinals, the I mean, the Cardinals are up there too. The Cardinals are, are by no means a bad team nor did anyone expect them to be. The Cubs don't have any room to to do too much experimenting. I mean, every game matters. I mean, because if we get if we get into August and the Cubs are four games back of the Brewers, we don't want to be thinking back, you know, oh God, I really wish they wouldn't have given Tyler Chatwood three starts in a row. That right. burns now. Exactly. You don't have that wiggle room like you did. I mean, don't you remember in 2016, it was, they literally just say, it's going to be a bullpen day. Like yeah. in late July, it's a bullpen day. I mean, that's by 19 games. Who cares? I mean, they had that absolutely ridiculous start to the season where, I mean, it, it felt like they were a lock for first place in May. It really did. Don't have that luxury anymore. You know, what's funny is I remember there were people saying that that Cubs team was like going to break records at that pace. It looked like it. It, it did. really looked like it. People were even going, yeah, is the, the Mariners, is, they, is their record in trouble here? Yeah, I know. And they had a rough June and July. Late June, early July was not fun for that Cubs team. But then no, they went back but they to could afford. But they could afford to have a slump like that. Now, if things keep going the way they're going, the Cubs really can't afford to have a bad slump like that. No. No, 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 no. And that slump was, I I think, to me, it was just kind of baseball being baseball and kind of evening things out because the pace they were on was, like, impossible. Oh, yeah, there there was no sustaining that. But, I mean, if the Cardinals are going to keep having devil magic, and it seems like that devil magic has kind of rubbed off on the Brewers. No kidding. Then they really can't afford to tinker too much. Did you see the whole run differential thing with the NL Central? Uh-uh. The Cubs have by far the best run differential than any team. The Brewers currently have a negative run differential, and look where they are. Yeah, see, that's baseball's wonky like that. It is, but maybe it gives you a little hope, saying that tends to even out. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. If If, if that's the case... Uh, the Brewers will kind of start to come down to earth, or at least that's the hope. We keep saying that over and over and over and over again, but then it never happens. Well, here's the thing about that, is that the Brewers right now are being carried by Christian Yelich, mm-hmm. Lorenzo Cain, and Josh Hader. Their pitching has not been good lately. And and Yelich is bound to cool down a little bit at some point, right? You would think. I mean, I mean he's, he's got doing to. Impo- he's, he's, he's got at to. an impossible rate right now. 
You can't. I mean, he's he's going to hit 160 home runs this year. There's there's no way. No way. He's got to slow down at some point. Right. But then, but then he doesn't. We keep we keep thinking he will, but he he just doesn't. He has one game where he goes like 0 for three with two walks. It's like, oh, here comes a slump. The next day, he hits two home runs and two RBI doubles. Yeah, exactly. It's infuriating. And the Marlins gave him away for basically nothing. Yeah, for Lewis Brinson. Ouch. Mm-hmm. Ouch. Ouch. Well, speaking Ouch. of home runs, do you want to talk a little bit about our offense? Because there are some notable things. Mm-hmm. Right now, it is awesome watching Wilson Contreras, Javier Baez, Jason Hayward, and Daniel Descalso. Those guys are crushing it. It's fun. And Victor Caratini was crushing the baseball before he got hurt. Yeah, that really, yeah, that's a bummer. I loved that Victor Caratini was proving some of his doubters wrong. And I know he's he's not the he doesn't have the same defensive prowess as a veteran catcher would, but I I think that he's so far he had proven to be more than capable of of filling in the backup catcher role, and so for him to potentially be out for a month or two is uh, it's borderline devastating. I hate that because who's who's gonna who's gonna give Willie a breather? Taylor Davis. Look, I don't want to disrespect Taylor Davis. That guy's worked his butt off his whole life. And he's funny too, but but is is he good enough to to be a regular backup? He's a guy you bring up in September. Yeah. Yeah, he he's he's more of a feel good story than somebody who you actually want in that role. Right. That's the thing. You want someone with experience. Yeah. He's he's a career triple-A player. He's very good triple-A player. I, there's a reason he's been in this organization for a while. But if I could just be completely honest, I don't think Taylor Davis is the guy I want backing up Wilson Contreras in a tight race right no, now. probably not. He can pinch it every now and then, sure, but... He hasn't really worked with his pitching staff much. So can can the Cubs really go six more weeks without acquiring somebody? I, I think they got to go to the Red Sox. They have a couple of backup catchers there. They got to get someone. Is Rene Rivera re-signed? I know he was released recently. And, you know, Rene Rivera is older and he may not be a long-term solution. But if you get somebody who's familiar with your pitching staff and your team because he was just on the team in 2017, just to fill in for you know a couple of games, I think that'd be okay. I'm I'm pretty sure Rene Rivera is with the Mets right now. Is he? Okay. Maybe not on the big league club, but I think I think he's with the Mets organization. Okay, I wasn't sure. I just remember him being released by whichever team he was with in spring training. But point being, I I think they they need to get someone. Uh, yeah, I I don't think they have a choice at this point. I right. and, and you know I I was kind of I was kind of with you at a certain point that I I was hoping the Cubs would have some interest in Sandy Leon, but now he's been called up by the Red Sox and he's gonna. It sounds like he's gonna be their catcher now. Yeah, we'll see how long that lasts. The Red Sox are reeling. Yeah, I I don't expect that to last. The Red Sox are a great team. They're 
they'll be okay. I don't know. I think they were due to regress a lot from last year. Literally everything went right last oh, year. Oh, they were definitely due to regress, but even with regression, they should still be a good ball club. Yeah, I don't know about with that the pitching. roster they've got. I, they, they've got to, they've got to perform. Yeah, the the roster in terms of the offense doesn't worry me about them, but their bullpen's not good. Yeah, their pitching true. is a sale is a lot better than how he's pitching right now, but. You know, I I don't know. I I don't know about them. We'll see. Every team's got concerns about their bullpen right now. That's true. That is very true. But, yeah, I mean, in in terms of other hitters, Jason Hayward, man, I love it. I do, too. But, I mean, what, what worries me about that is, is it sustainable for him? And I know that obviously he's not going to hit 350-360 on the year. I I know that. Even but in it, his best but, years he never hit that well. But but is he get, can he be like a 280-290 hitter this year? I don't know. I love it too. I love seeing it, but I just have this feeling like it, we're going to get to July and he's going to be batting 230. Here's my take on Hayward. I know every time I've gotten excited about a Hayward streak, I said, okay, here's the breakout, and then he kind of starts slumping again. I'm not a hitting expert by any means, and I'm doing this just based on some fan observation that may not even have that much great observation. I, I, I don't know how to word that, but to me, it looks like the swing is a lot smoother. It looks like the swing he had in St. Louis. And I feel like the way he's making contact with the ball looks a lot more like that St. Louis swing. Mm -hmm. You're seeing him drive it more. You're seeing him hit the ball harder. You're just seeing him square up and you see less moving parts. Now, I know we've said that on other occasions the past few years and he's kind of gone into more slumps again. But I I do feel like there is a difference there. And whether it's not it's going to hold up is remain to be seen. I'm not saying it's going to happen or not. But I feel like there's just something different there with Hayward. He, from what I've seen from the eye test, I think that maybe he looks a little less selective at the plate, which can be a good or a bad thing depending on the guy. And I think it, it so far it looks like a good thing for Jason Hayward because I think pitchers... Uh, at a certain point realized that they could, if they could locate their pitches, they could put it in in a certain spot and Hayward wouldn't swing at all. And they could get, they could get a good count jump on him. Now it looks like anything in a strike zone, he's more willing to be aggressive with. I don't know if you agree with that or not. No, I I get exactly what you're saying. Especially on those outside pitches. He's finding his pitch and he's able to do more with it. Yeah, that's that's kind of where I'm at too. But can he keep it up all year long is the big question. Right. It it remains to be seen. Um Javi Baez is doing Javi Baez things. What can you say? Well, that's that's great too because I mean, that was I mean, that was an MVP caliber season he had and even you know, no matter what you say, none of us really knew if that was kind of fluky or if that's who Javi Baez was going to be from that point on. And so far, he's continued to be that guy. So that's great. For sure. Because Javi Baez, this, he, I mean, he could be hitting 210 right now with one home run and, and 30 strikeouts, and it wouldn't have shocked me. 
it really wouldn't have shocked me. But it's so it's it's pretty awesome to see that he's still on that same trajectory. And he is going down and just floating pitches out into the outfield. That's the yeah. other funny thing. He's just he's going down, reaching it, and just tapping him off the end of the bat, finding holes, and then when he gets his pitch, he crushes it. And man, he's a spark plug on the base paths. Yes. That, uh, what was it? Was it the last game or the the second game of the series when he stretched what would normally be a single into a double? When he he hit it into left center field. Yes. Yeah. The second game. Yeah, that was classic hobby when he mm-hmm. stretched that into a double. And Joe said, "Just keep doing that. That's what you are. Keep Absolutely. doing it." Absolutely. Absolutely. The last guy I want to talk about in terms of who's hot is Wilson Contreras. Yeah. Slugging 766, an OPS of 1.224. He's got six home runs already. Even when he's making outs, a lot of them are in the air. Last year, it felt like the second half, he didn't hit a single ball in the air. Now he's constantly hitting them in the air. He looks totally different so far this year. Totally different. He looks confident. The power, obviously, is back, which is the biggest thing. I mean, he, he might have he might end up with more home runs than he had last year by by the end of May. Sure. You know? <laughs> I mean, is is six the is he the home run leader on the Cubs right now? He's tied with I think Javi. Javi. Yeah, Javi's got six too, doesn't he? Mm-hmm. But in any case, he looks like a totally different player at the plate. And I don't know if that's uh by his own doing or if it's uh from having a different hitting coach. I don't know if Chili Davis was actually the one holding him back or not. Well, I just hope that it wasn't really due to fatigue and the same thing doesn't happen again. Well, that's the thing. That's what makes this Caratini situation all the more distressing is that the right. the Cubs, they've got to be a little bit more cautious with Wilson Contreras this year. I don't think they can work him into the ground the same way they did last year. I agree. Totally. Then we got guys who are struggling. Rizzo is off to his normal struggling self where everything he puts in play is caught or he grounds out a lot. That's pretty typical of him. Schwarber is struggling right now. That end of the game where he exploded on the umpire. You know, it's, it's funny. When I watched it in real time, I didn't see it live. I was at the movies with a friend. But when I looked at it initially on my phone, I thought, that looks like a swing. Why is he mad? When you slow it down, it looks a lot closer but I think in real time, I could kind of understand why the umpire would call that a swing. It, The way it Twitter made it sound like, it, it sounded like it, he barely flinched and he called it a swing. Yeah, it's a lot closer than that. Ridiculous. That was, it, it was absolutely way closer than that. I, I didn't, I understand it from the perspective of people being homers. If if we were all neutral fans, we, you know, if this was like Nationals, Giants or something, and that same call was made on somebody else... Nobody would be in an uproar about that. There's, there's, to me, it was there's a coin flip. Abs- it was 50 abs- I don't even know about that, but there's, I, I don't think there's anything controversial about calling that a swing. If the, if the bat crosses the plate, that's a swing. It doesn't matter that you flick your wrist back and hold the bat back. It, it's, that was a swing. It's, I don't know. I think Kyle was in the wrong to get that worked up. It may have just been frustration. That, it being. wasn't. It wasn't an egregious call at all. Not even close. Yeah. So you know, whatever. Yeah. It happened. It happened, and they moved on from it. Uh, the last thing I just want to mention here, in terms of struggling, is 
Chris Bryant, man, what's going on with him? He is missing so many pitches right down the middle of the plate, whether they're off speed or they're fastballs. And he's striking out a lot. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's he's missing very hittable pitches. And yeah. you just remember his first few years, he would have demolished those. Against less than star pitchers, too. In the first series of the year, he looked great. But ever since Atlanta... It's been a real struggle. Yeah, so I'm not quite ready to hit the panic button on Bryant yet. Um, mainly, I'm just happy that he's healthy right now, or at least I hope he's healthy. I would, I would hope that he's not withholding anything from us. Um, so, yeah, it's still early enough that I'm not ready to start worrying about Chris Bryant. But, uh, yeah, not ideal what we've seen from him so far. He's not looking like the MVP caliber player we're used to when healthy. I'm just waiting for him to just break it out. I feel like if he hits one home he, run or has a yeah. multi-hit game, it's boom. Yeah, he just needs he just needs one three-for-four game, I think, to get some momentum and turn it around. And the same thing with Rizzo, but again, he literally does this every this is, April. This, you know, this, it's not totally, uh, it's not totally unique that, that KB is doing this either, because even even in his MVP seasons, he has hot and cold streaks. He, yes, he, he, even when healthy, he's had cold streaks before, and maybe it's the case that he just so happens to be having one of those at the beginning of a season. It could be. The only thing that makes me feel a little different about this is just how many hittable pitches he's missing. Because even when he was slumping, he would at least make better contact, I feel mm -hmm. like. It's just he's missing yeah, he's so many just, hittable he's pitches. He's just missing balls right now. He's just missing stuff. Right. Which, yeah. And, and again, I'm not ready to, to start worrying too much about this yet. It, it, let's in our show a month from now, maybe we'll be having a different conversation. Hopefully not. Right on. Well, uh, hard to believe an hour has gone by, but we're pretty much out of time here. We had a lot to talk about and there's going to be even more to talk about as time rolls on. Uh, again, uh, the Cubs will play Arizona at home and then the Dodgers at home, their next two series, both at Wrigley Field. So by this time next week, we should be talking about that Arizona series, the beginning of the Dodgers series, and then we'll be moving right into May. So keep with us. We'll see you next week. He's Adam. I'm Alex. Have a great night.